0: A podcast that investigates the experience of self, the events that have shaped our world, the people that we have become, by focusing on the person first. We've got Nick Bat with us today. Um, Alvin's with me as well. Hi guys. And um, we've got a um, uh, Quite a unique person Someone who's a bit of a treat for me Um, I'm a bit of a synth head And um, Nick's been called The father I was going to say grandfather But it's father of synth. We saw that on a news oh, well, really? report. Oh,
1: really? I don't know. I, I would have thought that'd be somebody made to, i I'm, I'm, you know, I, I review synthesizers and I play them on a, on a you know, a, a niche interest YouTube channel. <laughs> That's a catchy <laughs> thing.
0: But um, you've obviously you you had a, a start um, as an engineer and then as a producer and a remix yourself, yep. right? Back was it late eighties?
1: Yeah, late 80s, early 90s. I mean, I started as a, a sort of bedroom musician and then got a few breaks and then started working in, in remixing pop music effectively and then getting involved in CD-ROMs and then digital publishing and, and music production all sort of concurrently. So that's, that's my background. I guess a lot of technology and computers uh, yeah. feature a lot in the work that I've done over the years. Yeah. And when, what was the
0: transition point from then moving from the production piece into that kind of the ecosystem of electronic musicians and, and wanting to support that more and develop that bit?
1: Well, I think it, it was running at the same time because I, 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 I worked with a band called Golf Rap who were based in my hometown uh, and they, they had a decent amount of success and I was just sort of involved in that project at the same time as doing a few other things. I was also working on CD-ROMs at Real World with Peter Gabriel's kind of creative crew. But that was more just as a tech and, you know, kind of maybe coming up with some sound backgrounds for some of those those art pieces that they did. Right. At the same time, starting the Sonic State thing, which was sort of when the internet was... Oh, this is, We're talking about, like, 94, when that first started, so... You know, it's it's transitioned a long way from text only to now video and audio and all of those things. Yeah. So the transition hasn't been. It, it's not. It's, I wouldn't say there was a point a flip point. I mean, I suppose uh, as I've got older, I've got less production work. But I didn't really work with Goldfrap during that period. I still do a little bit with them, and now this takes up more of my time. I suppose is is probably where it's come to. And in terms of synthesizers. It's because of what I know, I, and I was reviewing synthesizers, I sort of became... I would, you said the father of synth, that, that I would say the, one of the synth guys on YouTube. You know, that's how I'd put it. You know, maybe one of the ones that have been doing it a bit longer than anybody else, but, you know, there's a lot of people who do that kind of stuff, and it's just my style is the, the way I do it.
0: Yeah. So that was a real just organic, unplanned yeah. process.
1: Everything I do is tends to be unplanned. I'm not... <laughs> it's interesting, actually, because I don't... I like to plan everything... That I can. I, I don't. I know I can't influence something, so I don't bother worrying about what might happen. But if I know that something might happen, like a technical issue, I, I'd like to know that I've got it covered. But if you know, if if the, the fire alarm goes off now, I mean, there's nothing I could do about that. So there's no point in planning for it. It's just like there's a procedure, we'll follow it or whatever. Yeah. So I'm 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 quite a spontaneous when it comes to that, and I think. Sometimes I might have a go, if I do this, then this might happen, then this might happen. I'll, I'll have a plan in as far as a direction, but I always find it very impressive when you have people who've got those life plans and they've kind of, OK, we've done this, we've done this, and now we're onto to this bit. I, I mean, I just think that's amazing discipline, but I, I can't do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's also like... It sounds great, but I, I think some of the best things that I've ever experienced in my life, work and outside of, have been a confluence of... Cool people i never imagined i'd meet and reacting in the moment to that and then yeah it's more about what you do with those little opportunities when they come about i think that's
1: true and i think but as you get more experience not necessarily older because some people have experience at young ages you have confidence in your ability to handle the unexpected and you know that even on your worst day It'll be okay. It might not be your best, but you're not going to be, you know, laughed out of town, hopefully, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, of course. So that, that progression, um, so we, we like to understand, you know, a bit about that history of your thinking is a big part of what yeah. we, we care about. Um, so um, we, I, we can start basically in the present, can't we, really? Um,
2: um, um, so starting with the present, <laughs> my first question to you is, over the last seven days... What moments have given you feelings of great love, deep satisfaction or purpose? That question, I think there's, there's a that's lot a, to it. Yeah, yeah that's yeah,
1: assuming yeah. there have been <laughs> any of <events>, those, of course. <laughs> which is, in my case, is quite difficult at the moment because I'm having my house remodelled. Well, no, that sounds really grand. No, they're, they're basically I'm put having a staircase moved and I'm also having uh, a load of uh, the roof was off, so it's been really stressful. We've been arguing a lot because everything's dusty, you know. It's like time pressures. My daughter's in various things. It's got you know stuff still has to happen. Um, so that's quite hard work because it's been quite a stressful week. But um, my daughter was in uh, she she's been at ballet school, you know, like local ballet school since she was five, and they every couple of years they do a show. And that show was uh, she was in last Saturday, so that's that counts, right? It's in seven days, the seven-day window. And watching her and all those kind of young kids—it's mostly girls, I guess—dance and do something that they love—that gave me quite a lot of joy. I mean, I think. So, yeah, I'd say that was it. I mean, but at the same time, a lot of what I experience in terms of I don't know, so, so joy or happiness, contentment, you know, fulfilment, probably come through work, which I'm not sure how healthy that is, but I think that's probably the case for a lot of us. You know, work is sort of can give us purpose. So I've been, for instance, trying to figure out how to do things, you know, like workflow enhancements for for things that we do in our in our internet business, you know, and I'm kind of like, and I, I've enjoyed solving those problems. So that gives me some sort of enjoyment, shall yeah. we say. So,
0: on that note, in terms of your job, that's a really important thing for a lot of people. So, some people feel a little bit powerless that they've kind of co-opted a job, and it's defined by a whole bunch of infrastructure around them. You're right; their managers, their managers' managers, etc. You're in a unique situation where you kind of have you've been an industry that's developed, and you were. Doing something that kind
1: of... Well, I've, I've, I've driven. I mean, you know, but it's not by... Th- that's, that's by design to a degree. What I'm doing now is... I mean, I've always worked for myself for a very long time. I've worked for other people. Um, and part of that is because uh, my partner says that I, I can't take instruction. Um, and part of it is because uh, I like to do what I like. And, and, you know, when you – because I started out in music, it was a passion, you know, and I was fortunate enough to work in something that I enjoyed. But the flip side of that is when you don't enjoy it anymore, you've sort of killed – you can kill that. Yeah. So the, there are two ways of doing it. You know, I might have a nine-to-five-day job that's stacking shelves or whatever it may be. Yeah. But what I do outside of that is all mine. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have to give 100% of myself to to the job if it's just a job for money. Yeah. Because it's not necessarily a creative outlet, the other stuff happens outside of life. But I chose to do this because, partly because um, of what I already said, but partly because I, I, I did a load of stuff and I got, I got, I went through a really bad phase where I got really anxious and I couldn't, I just couldn't really handle interacting with lots of people. So I sort of designed a work environment that suited my frame of mind at the time and allowed me to continue to be creative and do things. Without putting too much pressure on myself, I guess while I recovered my confidence and you know all of that sort of thing, so it's it, it's it's an evolution. But that part was planned. I did it for a reason, yeah. which is not the reason I'm doing it now.
0: And with the, the yeah the, the time you spend doing it, the confidence to believe what you're going with your gut instinct, did that help as as you got a bit older and you experienced more Oh yes. Yeah.
1: Well, the thing that the thing that um, when uh, I, I was doing a lot of remix work in the nineties. We had a lot of stuff coming. We did two, two, two versions of this. One was in the 90s, which was uh, after a track called Tom's Diner. Mm. And there was, it was back-to-back work. It was just full-on. Um, and, you know, some days are not as good as others, but you've still got – I mean, we're working seven days a week for, you know, two or three years. It was just crazy. Mm. And so I realised that even if I felt it wasn't going very well and I thought it was rubbish, maybe three weeks later, I'd listen back and go, that was all right. And you build up a kind of confidence going, well, actually, maybe I've got enough ability to pull it off. You know, not everything's going to be solid gold, but sometimes it will be. And the other times it'll be okay.
0: Yeah. So so accepting failure a little bit, just that could be part of your
1: process. Well, I think when you're working with creativity, it's a very different thing because most people feel like if they have an idea in a generalized workplace, uh, and I'm being very generalized myself, it's... Having an idea rejected, yeah. is quite difficult. Yeah. But in a musical environment, you know, I might be playing with. I go, oh, what do you think of this? And they go, no, I don't like it. You just go, oh well, okay. You know, you move on. You don't, you don't, you don't invest your entire life into that one thing. Yeah. And, and by the same token, if you're working in, an, in a in a more standard work environment, you know, you probably wouldn't do the same thing. Or you have to learn to be able to accept that. I think where the difficulty comes is when if management have said go and do this, and you've been you think that's a really bad idea, but I've got to do it because it's my job, and they've told me. And then it gets wasted, or they say no, that's rubbish, and you go, well, I told you. Or somebody changes the goalpost, and all that works gone. It, it starts to grate a little bit because you're sort of you don't have any control. But the same happens in music as well. You know, I would be working on a track for a band and spend ages and ages and ages on it, and I go, oh yeah, I'm working on that. And then they come in the next day, and go, yeah, we've decided to change everything. We've chopped all of that stuff out, and you just go, oh, well you know i mean and that I, that can be a bit galling you know because of the um, just because of the amount of work you put in That's i think right. it's depends on how much you put in yeah depends on how bad you feel about it being rejected <laughs> i suppose
0: do you have a, a personal philosophy of in those moments of either stress or disappointment um something that you go to it could be a turn of phrase or an experience
1: oh wow um probably something that you wouldn't want to publish you know i mean you know swearing and 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 and, and putting out out there a kind of like oh whatever whatever you might say if you're kind of you hit your hammer with you hit your thumb with a hammer yeah. the equivalent of that is you know sometimes that helps because it just diffuses something Sometimes, but but also sometimes you just go, oh, well, you know, that's just the way it goes. I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening and maybe you guys work with computers all the time. Sometimes you can't get things to work and it's really annoying, you can't figure it out. And you, okay. But still, sometimes you're prepared to sit there and invest all that time and effort. And it, it, in a way, it's sort of, you learn patience through that. And, and that's something that, you know, because I've been involved in technology, I've had to learn a lot of things. So there's a sort of thread. You kind of go, well, maybe this is what, how it works. Maybe that's how it works. Yeah. And so you will pursue it to a point at which you just go, oh, it's not worth it. The, 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 the amount of time I put in is not worth the amount of stuff I get back. So, but you learn maybe instinctively what that cut-off point is. You know, whether you just say, look, I'm sorry, I'm not. Yeah. You know, that's enough. We've tried it; it didn't work, or whatever.
0: Yeah, you said actually something on this. So we, when we met um, a few hours ago, just before um, you've done one of our kind of uh, um, sister podcasts. Uh, off the beaten track with um, Stew, you um, you talked about the ten thousand hour rule. You mentioned. Oh right,
1: that. yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's that's become a bit of a kind of ism, hasn't it? You know, that's it's the same for everybody. They they say that ten thousand hours apply application of anything, whether it be you know playing the recorder, doing gymnastics, you know, being a being a world class athlete. That's what you. That's your starting point. You need yeah. to be. You need to put that time in. But I think what it means is. It, it depends on under what circumstances you've put that time in. It might be less or more. If you're self-motivated, mm. it could be a lot less because you want it. So you are going in a forward trajectory all the time Yeah. because you enjoy what you're doing. Whereas if you're at school and you've got to learn the cornet yeah. <laughs> or whatever, you know, it might take you longer because you don't like it and you're not really that interested in it and your mum told you to do it. Or yeah. You had to do it for, for training through for fulfillment of some management, you know, whatever. Yeah, so it, I think it depends on the motivation. I, I, I'm i a firm believer in the fact that unless you want to be an architect or a doctor or whatever, yeah. you know, where you need qualifications, I couldn't care less about qualifications. I want a motivated individual. I think self-motivation is the most important thing to me because you will then apply that to teach yourself what you need to know because we can find out pretty much anything we want with the internet. You know, if I need to know how to you know, change a, a washer on a tap, I could do that. Or if I need to find out how to execute some code on a computer that, does, to, that I'm trying to write an application to do something, I can find that out and, and figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Without having to have a degree in computer science and that particular language, I just go, well, I just need this bit. This and you can... Yeah. So, uh, so I think motivation, self-motivation is probably, I think it's one of the most important characteristics in anybody just to, to move on in life.
0: Yeah. Ha- on that note about self-motivation, so um, I agree with you. I think if somebody's got an internal barometer of what looks good rather than somebody else telling them, oh, hard work looks like this or you should spend longer on that, if they've got an internal drive to do that, that will always win out and uh, you, know, you want to be around those people. It's one less battle to fight, right? Yeah. How do you... Um, what have you learned in terms of um and this could be working with your clients it could be a whole bunch of people who've been associated with you in the industry because um lots of industries have their social aspect but obviously music has a massive drive of, of passion behind it it's a very emotive thing so it's very easy to socialize I think it's a very attractive industry for a lot of people to join because it is you know rewarding in terms of emotion but it's also you're talking to people who are interested in music and you know we could sit here and talk about usits funds and you might have a relevant to your pension or something like that but we could talk about you know the first songs you should, as you've yeah, just done and it's sure. it's an immediate connector with people so what have you kind of found when you've been working people in 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 that entire ecosystem about work about is someone self motivated and you know
1: and um, i think the thing is in any creative industry l- if if you're dealing if you're working for a client that is not creative and they want you to fulfil a task for them, might be you know might be the A and R person who who is not technical but thinks oh, you'd be good working with this artist or whatever. Or you know you're a decorator and somebody sort of says I want this to feel this way. Part of the problem is um, whether or not they can understand what. <laughs> what you need to feel to be able to deliver something. Right. And I think if you, you, I think from a, from a creative point of view, you, you want some sort of emotional... Ideally, you have an emotional connection with whatever it is that you're doing so that you can... It, it, t- it, turn, it takes you a little bit further than just getting the job done. You know, you feel good about it, therefore, you know, that hopefully means the client feels. We always used to have a rule when we were remixing, you know, three out of three. Us, happy... Band happy, record company happy. If you got all three, bingo. You know, two would be okay, one would be adequate. Yeah. But you, it's having that, it, and I, and I suppose the thing is, is people also find it hard to, and it's, it's it's quite difficult to be so general. I suppose is the answer. But I think in terms of you know the commonality, the thread, I suppose is. Hmm i had to think about that again. I've i lost my train of thought a little bit, I'm afraid.
0: I um, I like that, what you said about when they hand over a treatment or a brief. If they don't story tell to you, you can't get invested.
1: If they don't get you on board, how are you meant to create something to get other people on That's board? That's it. Well, sometimes the person who's commissioning the piece... Yeah. Is, is doing it for a reason because they might have a client who's just said right we need a corporate video or you you don't know what what the reason is for this it yeah. might be there might be an unconnected uh, uh, a factor in that that you don't know what it's about and so if you're dealing with sometimes if you're dealing with people who just don't you don't care really they they just want they they either want you because you're the name that the client said they wanted involved or because somebody told them it was a good idea you could kind of read that sometimes and i, and I think the worst ones are you, you have to you have choices don't you sometimes somebody comes to me you and you say will you do this and you go no not really and they go well i'll give you this much money and you go well, yeah okay you know you, you make those choices don't sure. you yeah, absolutely. Yeah. so yeah i think it it's nice to work with people who understand a little bit and i think the other problem with creativity particularly in music is there's this sense of Value, you know, people expect because it's it's playing. It's it, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's it's a hobby, isn't it? You know, therefore, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be very expensive. Yeah. You know, and that's always a thing to fight against. You know, it's very difficult to feel to get the worth from it. So you you almost have to have the bit that feeds your soul to make up for the fact you're probably not going to get paid very well for it.
0: That's really interesting. Uh, a lot of people um, can retrospectively attach value to music when it's incredibly popular. They can really identify it, you know, before that moment's happened. So they they always undervalue it until it's, you know, mm. globally popular, and then suddenly they retrospectively say, "Oh, it was obviously worth."
1: Well, we that very few of us are visionaries, are, are really. So <laughs> yeah. most people, most people follow follow the herd, and the herd is unpredictable. So, you know, it's like the flock of starlings or whatever. It's like, oh, that way, okay, great. Oh, that's what's good. It's okay, sun, great, and whatever. You know, it's just... It's almost a basic human condition, isn't it? You know, we follow... Humans follow repetition of patterns, you know, familiarity. That's the things that we're comfortable with, you know, the... You know, the real genius and the artist break the mold and do something completely out of the comfort zone, and then it becomes more mainstream as people accept it and maybe emotionally connect with it in a new way that they haven't felt before, or so it, it triggers some other brain chemicals that they like the feel of, so therefore they're yeah. off.
0: I, I literally was thinking it was, was Daft Punk's discovery or homework when you were saying that, how they did both of those things. They mm. took old tracks, micro sampled them, chopped them up, um, and also repeated the hell out of them you know, just drove it into people's kind of subconscious as well.
2: Really cool. Um, so, another deepish philosophical question. Um, how would you say... Um, so, would you say that you've had a successful career, actually? That's my first question.
1: Um at times yeah i mean and i suppose that's a certain amount of motivation i mean you don't want to do things into a vacuum but i i, I don't i hope i'm not an egomaniac either you know but in terms of fulfillment uh, at times yes i mean one could argue perhaps you know monetarily not so much you know i don't i don't have a live a life of luxury yeah. I, I i'm not saying i'm i'm you know i poverty stricken i get to do more or less what I want and mostly can do things, you know. Yeah, I can't afford some things, but I can afford others. So in terms of, you know, the work, funding, the just general life, yeah, it's been okay, uh, but it's always... It could always be better, I suppose, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, there, there has to be something that drives me, but it's not it's not success, I wouldn't say, although that would be nice, you know.
2: <laughs> Look, I get that, and my follow-up question was, do you feel like this... Success has sort of been in line with happiness as well. So if you were to track backwards um, to say, cool, so this was um, maybe at Tom's diner when I was obviously um, re- um, I was maybe in, in um, respect of the charts, I was really successful. Did it, was this aligned with like I was really happy at this point? No, and maybe...
1: no, not at all. Doesn't doesn't line up in any way. Mm-hmm. I would say you know there, there's a moment of euphoria. Yeah. I mean happiness. Happiness is a word that's thrown around a lot, but it's it, it's a it's a. It's a mercurial state. It's not something... It's like if somebody says, I'm happy, it's like there's no possible... If you're really happy all the time, there's probably something wrong with you, you know, because <laughs> because it's not a human condition. It's fleeting. It's something that we pass through, we experience from time to time, we experience it in different intensities. But I would call, you know, contentment. That would be something that might be sustainable. Um, I would say uh, happiness is a joy of things that happen momentarily, I would say, and I think that this sort of pursuit of happiness, I was thinking about this, it's like the ultimate pursuit of happiness uh, um, it's Nirvana, isn't it? It's the Buddhist sort of state, which is the so it's in terms of the human condition, it's been something that people have been uh, trying to get for Thousands of years, you know, right. it's been formalised in a religion and it's called Nirvana, you know. Yeah. There are other states in it, you know, euphoric bliss and you know, whatever. There are all sorts of ways to get there. But these these aren't... You couldn't be permanent... It'd be like having an orgasm permanently. You couldn't... I mean, it just... You'd be desensitised. Uh, well, my, my understanding of that is that it's not, it's not a state of feeling.
0: It's actually a state of unfeeling. It's almost akin to the numbness of alcohol... Oh, OK.
1: So it's actually... So, so do you think it's sort of endorphin-related or dopamine or something like that? Or? S-
0: something where it's not a, a massive high, but it's actually...
1: It is almost like... Just OK. A, it's almost Happy, like... A, happiness connection. is just kind of, yeah, I'm OK, thanks. <laughs> well, maybe you're right. That's not... That's the, I mean, yes, I would say so. I mean, I think that um, that, yeah... I think I think that's probably true, but and I don't think that happiness generally goes in line with success because with success usually comes pressure, and yeah. pressure is not something that necessarily makes you happy unless you thrive on it. But even people who thrive on it, there'll be a point where it's like too much, or you know whatever. I mean, I, and I think it comes down to what your what it is that drives you. You know, if you're if you work in a car factory and you do your thing, but at the weekends you're a drag artists or whatever, you know, and that's what makes you really happy and your family and you can devote the time to that because the way that you, your job doesn't require you to think about your job when you're not at your job, which that that would be quite a, an interesting goal to get to and some people can achieve that, but there's always a downside for working somebody else in that sort of... But So it depends on that balance, I suppose. I mean, I think driven creative people generally don't have that. They, it's harder to switch off... There's always – and you, you get it also – I mean, people who program computer languages, programmers, the same thing. You know, you're talking to them and you know, but you can see that they're not quite with you because they're still thinking about the thing that is their whole world at the yeah. moment. Yeah. And there's the, – because there are certain things that you do creatively or any kind of work, whether it's project management, whatever, where you have to hold it all in your immediate – buffer you know in your in your memory these are the parameter this all has to be in here at the moment and if it depending on the size of that task is there room for anything else and if you stop thinking about it are you going to drop the ball but when you stop thinking sometimes you stop thinking about it and something comes to you in your subconscious when you're asleep or you're on the loo or whatever you go oh my god yeah that's how it's gonna that's what i'll do so i don't know I i think that i think happiness is a is is a it's a uh, a diversion from you know it's the wrong it's the wrong thing to be looking for mm-hmm. yeah uh, That's the, i just be thinking so I was just so what do you think we should <laughs> okay right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well actually uh, i think you know i think the the plan should be uh, and i'm not saying i i'm doing this at all but you know if if i could i would like to be more content more of the time less stressed out be able to have time not be you know in a bad mood that would be good um and and to have you know to be able to have time and i think that's one of the the pressures of modern society there's this sense of urgency about everything everything has to be done you know and that's partly because we're always in contact all of the time and so therefore, you yeah, know, we can respond instantly. I, I could be looking at my phone while you're answering this question and go, oh, there's something I need to think about. You know, I mean, I, I could be not here while I'm here. Yeah. I could be doing something else. And I think that's part of the problem. And I think being able to switch that off and just go, yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm quite a pragmatist. I'm quite um, uh, what's the other word I was looking for? A uh, uh, fatalist. You know, I I I will plan to the nth degree about the things that I can control. But that stuff I won't try. I can't control, I Just well, there's nothing you know. There's nothing I can do about that. So there's no point in even worrying about it. You know, yeah. I just leave it behind. Whereas, um, you know, uh, other people I know, they're kind of they catastrophise. So they um, and they worry. I mean, I, I think um, a, a lot of women in society seem to. fulfill I think maybe it's a mother instinct. Or something. I'm not sure what it is, but generally speaking, the female gender tends to worry and project ahead as what if, what could happen. But it's not purely that, but it seems to be a kind of... It does seem to delineate a little bit along uh, gender lines.
0: There's a a reason, I think, for that that um, I've picked up on from um, evolutionary biology books I've read, which is literally, if you think about the role either might make, let's say the man sticks around after the woman has had a child, um, she would physically be incapable of protecting herself. So women develop uh, vocal skills... And negotiation skills, they speak something like, I don't know, 50% more words a day than men. And I think it's inherited because they have to build relationships for protection.
1: Right, yeah, and, 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 I'm think, and I think there are there are bound to be physiological and gene, uh, genetic things that, that make people different. And I think this sort of sense of, I mean, this is going off the beaten track, that everybody's the same, every human being is the same, whether it be race, gender, whatever, you know, it can't be right. I mean, in an ideal world, yes, of course, it would be lovely, but it's not. I mean, it just, it just doesn't... It's not true. It can't be. No, that, a lot of people get... Um, but you, uh, you can't say that kind of thing, and it, people get quite uppity about it. Well,
0: no, no, no. I think you can say the thing. If you, um, if, uh, if, you, if, you, if you... Well, people misinterpret it. What you're saying there is everyone should be treated the same way in terms of given the same opportunities yes. and not treated differently Uh, but you shouldn't you shouldn't judge the outcomes if people if people if a a woman chooses not to be a ceo or if someone chooses not to do a certain thing in a certain way you shouldn't say oh the outcomes are the thing was we must adjust because alvin and I deal on a day-to-day basis with diversity issues and people Mm. looking at their massive company right and and trying to understand what um in kind of inhibited um and um and disguised um Decision making was happening that led us to have ninety eight percent white guys (laughs) doing this one job or whatever, right? Yeah, well,
1: we we. I mean, in my industry, you know, uh, women in technology, music technology, are are, are still a rarity, or certainly that are are, would be on you know my podcast or on video or whatever. And it's hard to find people uh, enough people. Whereas, you know, there's lots of guys who'd be happy to talk about that sort of thing. but it, it, And it's a, it's a battle. I and mean, I try, you try and sort of redress that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I think it's, it's just how you handle it and how you deal with it. I still struggle because I think, well, you know, I could get somebody on the show. Maybe I don't know them very well. And I don't want to expose them to any kind of anything that the commenters, the viewers might, it might you know, take umbrage to or, or be idiots. Yeah. I feel responsible. Yeah that i might expose them to or anybody you know whether it's it doesn't matter who they are you know if they're just sensitive i would hate for them to be kind of horribly criticized or, or trolled or whatever in any way but it feels somehow i'm more responsible which is probably again something i shouldn't because that that's a that's a negative bias isn't it or a positive i forget which way around it is but
0: yeah yeah you're trying to obviously protect bikes bikes um, um, preserving or excluding what or, you know, i don't know how that is but, but um Ultimately, these things have to move on, right? And so yeah. there has to be a conflict point.
1: I, I also need to normalize it, right? So yeah, that's really interesting. So do you know the stats then from your side on that? Oh God, it's yeah. I mean, it's 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 you know, ninety yeah. percent or something male.
0: You know, I mean, so there's a a type of synth called a Euro Rack um, synth, right? And uh, it's been a bit of a phenomenon in the last ten years. Yeah. Um, and every time I see uh, you know a YouTube video of um, not a white guy using one. I'm like, "Oh, this is so cool. <laughs> like mm-hmm. somebody else knows about it, but it is it can be a little bit. I, I don't, I'm thinking about this out loud now without too much forethought, but if I think about the majority of people I've spoken to about modular synthesizers. It's mainly been people who kind of look and sound a bit like me, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there is. I mean, you know, it, there's an appeal, and also because the way that we you would find out about that sort of thing about the the roots, the media roots that a guy of your age and, and, and gender, or whatever, are going to are going are gonna to follow. So you know, you're not going to be outside the the norms of that. So yeah, I mean, it, there, there is a sort of, but but we can all change everything, and there's a certain. I think sometimes. But you have to be careful about what you're trying to change and how you change it, I suppose, because yeah. you don't want to be do it wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Everything, whatever, yeah. Everything is so kind of exposed, and the, uh, they talk about this um, uh, recently in the media about how younger people can't make mistakes, right? So, I, obviously, I'm, so I'm 39. So in the 80s to 90s, no one was taking photos of me. Out, you know, well, yeah. developed a f- you know, real a film. If I if I said something stupid, it would be amongst my immediate group of people, and either there'd buried. Be no, there'd be
1: no record of it that could be dug up later.
0: But yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, and if you put that to the music side of things as well, it's
1: like maybe. Yeah, there's got... a couple of tracks I definitely don't want to be
0: found out about. Okay, well, I'm going to ask a, a tough question. If you want, okay. Well, I say stuff. People have responded to this with a "what" <laughs> in the past. <laughs> Um, he did. No, <laughs> I'm not going that far. Um, how do you use gratitude? And by the, how do you use gratitude, I mean, do you have a philosophy of gratitude?
1: You mean uh, giving or receiving or both? Uh,
0: yeah, a bit of everything like
1: in one. Like, do you... I probably forget to give it as much as I should do because I'm probably self-obsessed like most people or thinking about work or, you know, the other stuff. Um, I think like to receive it. I I think there's an element, you know, if you're involved in any industry, but creative industry perhaps a little more so is tied so much to ego and sense of self and self-worth. You know, you, you talk to most people who are singers or musicians or whatever, you know, artists, way back where there might have been a disinterested parent or uncle or auntie or, you know, family member or friend that they're still trying to prove themselves to. And, and I say I'm not saying that that's a bad thing because it generates motivation. You know, that's what moti- you motivate yourself to do things for for whatever reason. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't want it to be like I was beaten as a child. So therefore, you know, I'm not I'm not kind of going. You know, but there the, there are degrees of motivation that are based on how much gratitude or less, lack of gratitude you might have got as a kid. Oh, gratitude. Is different gratitude i suppose if you, in the sense of the word it's if you receive gratitude it's because you've given something to somebody else and they're they are grateful to you for whatever it is you've given to them and and vice versa so there are all i suppose there are different it depends on how, on the semantics of it a little to a to a little degree yeah I'll clear it
0: up so is that do you have um any kind of methodology or mantra? Um, that kind of just grounds you. And look, so, Alvin mentioned a, an interesting thing there about when you when you were recognised and had commercial success. And you said, you know, they're uncorrelated. The feeling of kind of self worth and e- excitement, and all the rest of it, didn't correlate directly with exactly the same timeline of of actually achieving. So,
1: certain... Oh, no, no, it's happiness. It was the ah self worth. Self so you... worth is definitely increased. You get validation, of course. Yeah. Oh, so that was a big. Increase yeah, yeah, that yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. So that's not okay. necessarily happiness. That's just, oh wow. You know, I feel I feel like I might be good at this, or I did something that people respond to. There's a difference, I think.
0: Yeah, I think there is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, so that so that is correlate. That was correlated to a bit of commercial success. Yeah, of course, because yeah. you. I say a bit it was huge. But but
1: but, yeah. but, but any, anything you do, you know, if somebody responds to me, go oh, that was great. You just go, oh, thank you. You know, I mean, I think it's easy to become quite blasé about it, if. Because if you dish it out a lot, and, and you just say, "Oh, that was great," and, and it wasn't, it was all right, you know. But so you, you, you in the way that you could be, become desensitized to cultural influences, to you know, nudity or violence or whatever, you could yeah. probably also be desensitized to praise yeah. because if it's not meant and not earned, oh. it's not. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Maybe. Interesting. This will- yeah maybe you know if your gran always tells you you 're really handsome well you know or you 're not or whatever you get if, if there's a, if, if it 's skewed in some way against reality, then you will get you, you'll, yeah. there'll be there 'll be a cause and effect in response to how that has worked i suppose i mean gratitude, I think being grateful. It's quite, you know. I find that if somebody's gone out of their way to be kind to me and do something for me, I would be grateful, and I would genuinely feel that way. And I would hope that if someone, if I did that for somebody else, they might feel the same way. Yeah. But doing the, the problem is, is you might do. I might go out of my way to do something for somebody else, and they couldn't give a crap, and I get nothing back, and they're rude. Say for instance, and then I just think, I get then then I get in then what what do I feel then? It's certainly not gratitude. What is it? It's it's yeah. the opposite of yeah. of that. And so it could be destructive at the same time. So you're investing. It's, it's the result of some form of investment, I suppose, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, no,
1: that's, yeah,
0: exactly. If it's if it's been directed and received, if it if it's been let's say it's been created and felt by you. um, I think, um, what is it? In, um, in the recovery program, uh, the the steps to recovery, right. uh, alcohol recovery, they talk about making um, an audit of your life. Have you come across this or heard about it? It's quite interesting. They basically say you need to audit your life and look at situations where you have acted um, unfavorably or, or whatever, rude, whatever, or not appreciated somebody, and you have to go back and make amem- amendment for that right um in the process of making an audit you also then um almost kind of make a a, an index of all the things that you are happy for and you're a benefit you you benefit from so it could be a daily thing for some people um Mm. if they're trying to achieve a sense of um balance in their life where they they might wake up in the day and say well look i'm here you know i've got I know I'm, I know I'm sleeping in a, a here tonight, or you know, could be on a very I think, basic. Yeah, level. no.
1: Well, I suppose I think the thing is, is I I don't generally feel hard done by about anything. I feel grateful that just generally that I'm I'm not ill. I I live in a house. You know, I've got a family. I've got you know these things. I I, I generally do what I enjoy doing for work. That 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 may But I don't know how. I don't know whether that's necessarily something that I'm saying I feel grateful for, because. I suppose I should be, rather than I feel it all the time. I suppose I don't think about it as something like that. I mean, maybe if it was, it, it, those are the sort of things that, when it goes away or there's a yes. there's a there's an interruption, yes. you would then think, wow, I'm really lucky. Yes. But you know, I, I don't how much truck with people who are moaning about their lot when they're actually everything's pretty cool, really. Yeah. I mean, moaning in it. No, I the grateful police.
0: I don't know whether that's. <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> but, but I think everybody's like that, really. You know. I I think it's, yeah, it's way too easy. I think there's there's when moments happen and you know, people die, uh, or jobs get lost, things like that. When that type of thing happens, people then pause for thought, and it's often a little bit. It comes as so much as a shock because they may not have done that so much in mm. their life. I'm not saying expect
1: pain. <laughs> no, but I think I, I think that it's inevitable. Right. It is inevitable. It's inevitable at some point. Some people prepare for that continuously yeah. and think it's just around the corner and maybe don't get the most out of their life because they're always thinking about this is going to happen at some point.
0: And hedging their bets.
1: And some people just go, whatever. whatever. Here it is, right. Um, I'll deal with it now then. I'm not sure which one's right. Probably somewhere in between, isn't it? There's probably, I, think, yeah.
0: I think people will always oscillate, won't they, between the two, depending on how um, how kind they're feeling. You get a bit wrapped up, you know, one can easily get wrapped up in your life and thinking this moment is incredibly important or why me or why aren't yeah, the stars aligning. I, I,
1: that, that's something that I find, you know, that there's this sense of fairness, you know, why did this happen to, you know, my grandma sure. when she was such a good person? Why did she get ill? I I re- I don't I can't I I don't even compute that that kind of thought process because it, it it's the inevitability of the universe it's chaos it's sort of how can you think that you would have any influence on yeah. stuff like that I mean you know you can eat well you could do all sorts of things I mean it doesn't mean you're going to be I mean it, you increase the chances that you're going to be okay but you're not really yeah. I mean you probably won't be okay statistically <laughs> at, at some point. So I don't see the point in worrying about it, I guess. But, I, I mean, this is coming from the point of view of something, you know, the, the only problem I've got is my eyesight's going and my knee's hurt, you know. I haven't had to deal with any major illness or any kind of real... Not directly, it would be me personally, you know, and, and not so much to my immediate family. So yeah. maybe I've been insulated from that a little bit, so that, that affects my point of view on that matter. I
0: hope that, as if that does happen to me, that I can retain that kind of scientific view of the world... Or maths view, which is really fairness is an abstract concept made up by human beings to storytell. Yeah. It's nothing related to the reality that you're going to experience in your life. Yeah. I think Louis C.K. He actually said something like that on one of his. His his little daughter said on his like um, video thing. He went. She went, "Oh, Dad, you know that's not fair." He went, "Right, let me just stop you right there. Whoever told you that anything in life would be fair?" We need to deal with this, this immediately
1: because it's going to completely change um, your, well, fa- your values. Well, yeah, fairness is what you make it. You can build, in life, you can build a momentum about what you do. If you're a kind person, you're generally good. You know, if you, It's like, for instance, you think, I really would like to, uh, to, to, to do something, move in a direction. And you put that out there and you say to people, yeah, I really thought I'd like to go and do do something i'd like to go i'd like to take up painting or something and then somebody will pick up that and might go oh i saw there was a class down the road and so there the it will present itself because you're putting out there the desire to do something and people if they're nice and they're around you they, they might help you find a, a possibility so you can influence things but it, again there, there's it's, it's rational there's a rational reason but it, it you could call it positive energy or you know that sort of stuff but it's there's a rationality to it
0: I think that's almost like a, um, a a statistic thing, isn't it? If you do it a lot more, you maybe have a higher proclivity to do it again and not be counting. Oh, I've done so many good things this week, but nothing's come back yeah. my way.
1: Why haven't I had? Why don't I won the lottery this week? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's an interesting statistic, isn't it?
2: I think um, it's, it's an interesting point. Ben speaks on this quite a bit. I would say about if you um, you want you have an idea. Um, You want to execute on it You only need to meet X amount of people In order to uh, achieve Y If that makes sense Um, I don't know how how much you agree with that
1: I think it depends on what sort of person you are as well I mean, I don't know if I'm very good at managing people And I'm I'm also I, I think I'm quite a focused person So I get a bit impatient At the lack of focus in other people who say, yeah, that'd be interesting, I might go to do that, I might do that, and then it doesn't happen, and you've sort of then, it's like, well, are you or aren't you? Because if you're not, maybe I should just get on with it. And I I find that, that is difficult. Maybe I'm asking the wrong people, you know, so that's a, a failing in me, and I'm not identifying the sort of person who's likely to want to do something. Yeah, I think that I think there's truth in that, but I think also it can be incredibly frustrating because you can get into a situation where you, if you don't ask the right people, then you're just getting more, you're getting frustrated because it's it's still not happening. I mean, I don't, I do try not to be. Uh, frustrated and angry. I mean, I don't. I don't like that as a trait in people generally. I mean, I'm sure I am, and I get frustrated. But it's again, it's very fleeting. It's like it's like happiness. You know, it's only momentarily. So it's not. It's not something that I'm in a constant state of. Generally speaking, but so I tend. I'm. I'm more likely to just get on with it myself.
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, and if I, I can. I feel. Like I've heard you um, mention family briefly, and um, heard you mention colleagues, but. What do you, like, how highly would you say you value, like, relationships, whether that's in your family, friendships, colleagues? Um, that's a
1: really and... interesting question. I, I think, I think if I'm honest, I'm probably quite an isolated yeah. person. I'm quite an insular person.
2: And do you think that's um, tied in with how focused you are with your career and work?
1: I'm sure that's exactly, uh, that, that's one of the reasons anyway. I don't think it can be disregarded. Yeah. I, I You know, if I'm honest about it, I, I think I am... Uh, preoccupied with stuff and I think that's one of the problems with if you work in your own for yourself you know you tend to just immerse yourself in it because that's what drives you and and so switching that off it goes back to what I was saying earlier you know switching that sort of off is quite hard you know so a holiday it's like that old adage isn't it you go for a holiday for a week it's rubbish because you're just starting to relax at the end of the week and then you go back to work whereas two weeks you know you get the second week is the is the one you know but I don't have two weeks holidays very often, but I mean, so I think, yes, I think I am insular. I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't call myself a kind of, you know, super cuddly family guy. I mean, I wish I was. I, I don't think I'm cold, but I, I think if I'm honest with myself, I'm probably not that guy.
0: That's really true. I was going to say, do you,
1: do you enjoy holidays? Generally speaking, yeah, I do. I mean, I think it depends. They can They can be... Good or bad. I mean, it depends on how you how how you're all getting on, how your teenage child is behaving, you know, what else is going on. Um, but yes, I generally do. I mean, I, I like I like to I quite like a just a full relaxation thing, just chilling out and just not doing anything uh, for some of it. So yeah, but I I think it depends on where you go, what you're doing, and who you're with. I mean, I I think also it's very hard. I mean. I, it's very hard to find people to go on holiday with that you won't fall out with, for whatever reason. I mean, I'm easygoing, but you know, as a family unit, mm-hmm. there's a lot of push and pull in that. So you know, my partner might be really easygoing about something that I'm not, and she might be not about something that I, sure. you know. So, and then the kids are, you know. Generally, you're you're as happy as the least satisfied person in your party. <laughs> I would say I get that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I um, feel the same way <laughs>
0: in the sense of, um, I like my, my life is quite simple. I've got almost like three parts to it. I've got my work, and I love the people I work with, my clients, and the guys who work with me in the office. Um, I've got my time for, with me and my wife, which is holidays and evenings and all the rest of it, and, and weekends. And I've got my time in the studio. And I was going to – something stuck in my head. You talked about something, and it reminded me of the concept of the state of flow that artists can go into, or anyone who's in a, a process, right? Let's just be very analytical about it. They're mm. in a process, and they, it's automatic. Mm. They, they don't think they are doing – they hopefully are happy in what they're doing. They could be programming. They could be writing. They could be writing, writing, writing music playing. In the
1: zone, I think, yeah. Exactly. State of
0: flow, I like that. That's how I'm going to use that. And um, and when one's there, you you do. You, it's a state of unfeeling as well. Like I say, you're just mm. your body is reacting with the world, and you're not really consciously getting too involved in it. When you were sound designing, did you find when you set up with goal, You worked with Goldfrapp and supported them in a whole bunch of yeah. musical uh, techniques, I imagine. But as a sound designer, as a knob twiddler, right. we, we also call it in the industry. Do you do you achieve that state of flow sometimes?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it depends on what it is because there's two parts to sound design or or you know making a sound or music electronic music where there's the there's the actual melody, the stuff, the notes and then there's the sound of the notes. So if the if the notes are good, then it's easier to make the sound of the notes good. <laughs> Whereas if the notes are bad, then you have to work a lot harder um, to make the notes sound interesting. Yeah. But that depends whether you write them or not, and I think. But there is, yeah, you get into it, you can get into a state of flow. But usually, what happens? Say, for instance, if I were, you know, in the past, I I would be. Given a, a, a session to work on for golf rap, they'd say, "Oh, can you just sort of? We're not sure about this bit, and uh, this needs a bit of something else. I don't know what it is." A part of that will just be going round and round and round and going, "Oh, what about that?" and then playing something, and that would suggest something So you're just dumping this kind of almost subconscious dumping of things that go in there, yeah. and then you have to go back and you be analytical about it and go, well, "That's crap. That's rubbish. Yeah, okay. Those two notes sound really good." And then you you start to build something out of that. You know, I mean, unless you're you know a virtuoso performer and you just go, yeah, yes, that solo was awesome and that one wasn't so much, you know. that You build things up, but it, it starts with a sort of brain dump of, which is almost like a stream of consciousness.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so is that one of your preferred kind of respite areas to go to? Or do you do well, enough uh, of it in the, your job?
1: It's funny, it's changed a bit. I mean, I, I now I prefer to not involve computers in stuff because I'm in front of a computer so much. I prefer, really, generally like to just noodle, I call it, just mess around on a synth, see if I can come up with a couple of riffs. And if it feels good, I might sustain it and I might make a video out of it then it becomes a work thing. Mm. Um, but outside of that, you know, I might go, fi- I've taken up fly fishing recently, I might go fly fishing. You know, that's i quite enjoy that i i i'm i'm quite i'm quite a practical person and sometimes i quite enjoy a bit of diy it depends on the on the on the uh the instructions i'm getting or whether i'm able to sort of follow my nose you know that's so i get joy from those things and that, that so that's what I might. But at the same time, I also get joy from uh, uh, enjoyment from solving problems, which might be a work thing. So, I mean, for instance, I'm working on a, a thing where we do trade shows, and one of the problems with trade shows is the workflow of people editing videos, uploading them to YouTube. It's very complicated, and there's loads of stages in it that can be messed up. So, I've designed something around a Raspberry Pi that, which is a little, uh, it's a little kind of mobile phone style computer that's thirty quid. That means. Everybody can just dump what they're doing on that, and it will just upload the stuff to YouTube and let us know when it's done and when it's finished processing. That removes a whole bunch of things, and I've enjoyed the process of making how that works and making it work.
0: It's very engineering. Did you study that? No, no
1: I'm not. Oh. I, I, I'm, not I, I'm, I'm. I guess I'm. I'm an autodidact when it comes to most things. I, I'm not, you know, massively educated. I, I didn't go past O level really. I mean, that's that's as far as I went. So all of of the stuff that I I've taught myself or learned I've I've because I've got an interest in it and I want to know how it works or figure out how it goes. That's why. But I think that's really important as well. I mean, I'm not saying me specifically, but, you know, when it comes to music as well or painting, you know, following the techniques taught at art school or taught at music college. Uh, not, you're not probably going to get something that's completely radically different. Most of what we hear is through this this uh, um, system I call approximation. So I might have heard a tune that I really like. I, I haven't really listened to it in great depth. And I go, yeah, that really influenced me. And I make a representation of what I thought that sounded like, what it uh, and what maybe it, it conveyed to me. And I go, yeah, that's good. And it's completely not what happened, but it inspired something that I think sounds like that, But I don't know how they did it, so I I guess, I approximate, and it could be the same with painting. And that way you invent a technique yourself that doesn't rely on the history of your knowledge. I I don't think it is important to know everything before you can then change. You you get it with classical musicians, don't you, in the studio. Somebody who's classically trained, come in and have a jam and mess around. Their their thinking is so structured, and I am generalising massively here, that it inhibits them. Because they know that. Oh, hold on! What's keys this? What's the beat there? And so that's. It's like no, forget about that stuff. Just let it, let it flow out. And that's and so it can be better to not know, because then you will come up with something that hasn't, that has no references. Maybe you know. I think
0: I think there's a lot of truth in that. A a number of people that I know who were called prodigy or very um, very talented young people. Get to a
1: certain age and, and look back and they try and undo all of their learning. There's uh, I'm trying to remember the name is Ken so Ken Robinson. He's uh, he's uh, it's like a motiv- Ted, uh, yeah he's a he's a motivational speaker and we we, do, we I can't remember I, I interviewed him, had a chat with him and we had a, uh, because he and he was doing a talk about this thing that uh, as children we have this free thinking. Which is, and, and schools create, yeah. And and I, and I just remember thinking, that was really fascinating. And he's massive, if you get a chance to look him up, he's got really interesting theories about it. It's just like, yes, you sort of want to f- keep some of that stuff because it's this free thinking. I mean, it's, yeah, you get horrible management terms for it, Blue Sky thinking and all that. But it, it kind of, it, that's what everybody's looking for, this kind of off-grid Sort of, I don't know, how about this? And you just go, oh my God, that's brilliant. And you don't know why it is. It doesn't mean you're a genius. It just means you've you've your synapses have joined together and you've thought those three things have some sort of association. Maybe they could work together. And it's like, my God, that's amazing. You know, so I think there's a lot of truth in in that. Yeah. But then by the same token, I only have a limited technique because I've not been taught any others. Yeah. You know, so I can only I can only be me. I can't necessarily I can't play, you know, ragtime or whatever, you know, Whereas if I was a professional musician and I'd been classically trained, I'd probably be able to do that.
2: So um, there was two things to that point. Though. Um, so one, do you feel like, so I can, see, I feel like um, I've got hints that you aren't so in favour of young creatives going to study music. Um, and if that's the case, do you feel like it is um, often a safer um, option and an option that often um, leads to sort of is more likely to lead to career success than if they were to sort of not um, stay on and study music, um, or arts or
1: Oh what if they history. just they just left and started. And then sort of after
2: A levels and just yeah, started the band. Uh, well well yeah, something.
1: there's there's some truth in that because I mean the 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 I'm not, no, I'm not against it at all. My daughter's studying music and she's picking it up so fast. It's amazing, you know, and I don't know most of the stuff that she's talking about, uh, but she's picking it up fast. But I also think that, that there needs to be encouragement for improvisation. It, I think improvisation is stuff where you just kind of follow your know, or, nose or write or, you know, look, just that gives you creative output because it, the comp- there's a compositional aspect to what she has to do in music. And you listen to all these compositions that got sort of A, mark, a marks and all of this sort of stuff. And you just think, it's not any good, but it's clever. It's using techniques. And that, to me, that's not really teaching the right thing. It's not teaching the emotive part, the soul part, the things... So but it can be studied in a number of ways depends what you want to be you know you could be a music historian you could be uh a a, a transcriber you could be an orchestra you know somebody that maybe doesn't have to create but understands the language of creation so it's not you know it's not exclusive but i think it's important to to try and encourage spontaneity and uh like i say you know that, that kind of a uh, 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 Jamming, you know, in mm-hmm. in any kind of creative thing, just so that people can learn how to what it feels like. Because the, the other thing is, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, there's three of you in a room, all jamming away, and suddenly something happens, and you just go, you get it. It's a euphoric feeling. It can be very, it can be actually quite euphoric. It's like singing in harmony with people. You know, there's there's a there's a visceral aspect to it, and I don't think you probably get that from a traditional kind of uh, secondary school music education. Yeah
0: but well, i think if i think back to the things common themes as we've been talking to you um the jamming thing <laughs> almost like mental jamming you know mm. trying again and trying again and the uh, the times you're spending trying different things in the real world rather than the conceptual piece or um, any shortcuts being any worth anything that seems to be a common kind of theme of
1: Would that be a... You do, you need... I mean, in anything that you do, you know, if you're working musically, uh, I mean, I was used to... you, You need some time just to mess around. And then you find a voice or find something that goes, oh, that's nice. And you might you lock that away. You might either record it or you might use it sometime in the future. It influences. It joins. It firms up. I've forgotten what the chemical is that that that, that firms up the pathways between the synapses in the mind. You know, that's how you learn muscle memory. That's how you learn uh, uh, language and how you, So if you firm, you make those links just by messing about, and that could be whatever you do. It doesn't have to be music. It could be art. You just sort of, oh, I don't know, that looks not. You know, you're just following your nose. You're not trying to do anything. And you have to give yourself time to play to a degree so that you can discover. Because in a situation where there's pressure, like a job or whatever, you can't do that. Or you don't get as much time to do that. So I think
0: um, there was a quote by Stanley Kubrick that was something similar. He basically said, I don't believe any artist has ever made any art for a political reason or for any other reason. than they started off with they loved to do that thing uh like this like the smell of tape or smell of celluloid or something like that Mm. they always start with the visceral instinct to to get it done and then they retrospectively put an attribute on it afterwards Oh, i did this because of i know there is some obviously cognitive process around some art that's created but he said the thing that starts every single one off is just the compulsion to create
1: yeah i think that's probably true i mean I, i i've not really thought about it that much but I suppose just I mean you doing it in the in the privacy of your own home it it, is bound to increase your confidence and ability because if you can repeat repeatedly do stuff that you go oh that's that sounds all right you know or that i enjoy that i mean it doesn't matter even if you're not only doing it for your own enjoyment just do it for your own enjoyment and get that feeling from it i mean there are so few things in life that give you a sense of euphoria i mean i i could throw that back to you when did you last feel euphoria either of you it would
0: have been one of those moments of freestyling something right. it could be in a, it could have been literally in a in a meeting of uh having a similar thought as somebody else and then you're agreeing it could be making music my, my wife shouting up, I like that one, you know. Yeah. Um, but euphoria. Euphoria, I mean, euphoria, <laughs> I think mean, no, it's, it's got to be drugs.
1: <laughs> yeah, but no, it's really interesting, this, because uh, I, I, in my, uh, my late 20s, early 30s, I, I suffered really badly from anxiety, and I went to uh, a hypnotherapist to try and unravel some of this stuff. And uh, I I was... Hypnot- I'm, I'm quite susceptible to it. So uh, I did whatever I did, and I just remember after each session... I felt a, a euphoria that was so profound, and it's quite a common thing. It's quite a common thing. It's not. It's not just me because I've, I've spoken to other people about it. I go, yeah, I, I remember that. And they come out and they just feel so. Uh, and it, it, it's almost like a drug high. It's like that. I mean, it doesn't last quite as long, but it's really powerful. It's very. I don't know what sort of what, it, what hormones it releases, but in some ways, you know, there's. I, I, I think some. You know, I'm, I might actually go back to just have, having hypnotherapy to see if i can get that i don't necessarily want anything fixed at the moment you know but that feeling of euphoria i can't i can't remember the last time i felt that euphoric without you know being a bit drunk or whatever you know i I can't remember that And, and and i think in in our modern life we very rarely get that yeah very rarely you know, we're talking like profound things, like holding your daughter up for the first time after she's just been born. You know, I mean, how that only happens once. You know, do you know what I mean? It's like there isn't, or you know, I guess sex is there's there's a there's a momentary euphoria and there is euphoria there. That's probably the closest thing and the most often thing that you get. But I mean, the the euphoria experience from from that post hypnotherapy session oh, yeah. was astonishingly profound it felt so powerful and you're just grinning from ear to ear and it's like wow I, I, I think we should all have that feeling a lot yeah, more you know I that think would
0: be great should. I've been to therapy and I remember walking out feeling a sense of absolute unburdening and I've got you know I feel reset that mm. feeling but I haven't felt that level of absolute you know
1: yeah, it's interesting because I, I've talked to a couple of people who were in stressful jobs, and I said you should maybe you should just go and do that. You know, see if the, see if it works. I mean, I don't know whether you have to have a pretty big problem for it to for you to feel that. Do you see what I mean? I, I, or, yeah, I don't know whether or not you need to you need to have something wrong, <laughs> or whether you can feel that just because yeah. if. Somebody could make you because I mean a lot of that hypnotherapy is deep, deep relaxation. You know, it's just mm-hmm. you're your because it's not like I'm there. I'm, I'm, you know, eating, eating an onion, thinking it's an apple. You know, yeah, all of that stuff. It's not Paul McKenna stuff. You're conscious, yes, but you're not. You know, you so, accepting so yeah, accepting. it's very interesting. I think that's possibly something. But and you get you do get that from music, fleetingly as well. I, I agree.
2: You know, very briefly, um, say there was a young person watching this. Um, Suffered with anxiety as well. And then obviously as you said at twenty, what would your um and obviously if say they aren't in the space where they can afford or um they can't access um hypnosis? Yeah. What would you advise to them? How did you get over it? Talk to people.
1: Talk people? to people. You know, and I think that's something that's really changed massively. You know, there's a lot more mental health awareness in society, generally speaking. Anxiety's almost become a word that young kids use, oh, I'm so stressed out, I'm so anxious, and whether they are or not, in the true sense of the word, it's almost become this terminology, and it's, and it's an accepted f- emotional state to be in. You know, there's it's particularly like young girls get it a lot. You know, there's a lot of it about... So, acceptance and understanding, because I think for a lot of people, people you know, if you have a, a panic attack or whatever, people just don't know what the hell's going on. But once you know... Then it's like okay, I know it'll pass, and then you have the confidence to just go yeah just ride it out it'll be all right in a bit you know it can be very debilitating for some people, so I mean you know and also it's sometimes you it's finding that person to talk to because some people might be unsympathetic and it would do more harm than good, but usually you know if you're at school there's going to be somebody you can talk to one of the you know that most schools you'd be surprised may or may not be surprised know probably thirty percent of the of the school attendees are undergoing some kind of pastoral care, you know, and that's not unreasonable, unusual. So, you know, I would say go and talk to whoever it is, Miss or Mister so and so, and they would they would be able to help definitely.
2: Yeah, that's good advice. That's great. And Nick,
0: thanks so much for coming and chatting to us today.